Each choice we make moves us toward fear or love. On my Life and Laughter podcast, we'll talk about those choices and learn how to attract more love and connection and laughter. This is Perry Kinder. Let's get started. Hey, Life and Laughter listeners. Thanks for coming back to my podcast. This is Perry Kinder, the host of Life and Laughter podcast and the owner of Life and Laughter Coaching. And I did learn to speak at some time, but it wasn't today. And I have a great guest today. I have Cassidy Duhadway today. She is a licensed clinical social worker and the CEO, CEO of Purple Sky Counseling. She is passionate about helping women learn to love themselves fully and live their genuine, authentic life. She specializes in trauma, attachment, and women's issues like anxiety and not enoughness, which we all have from time to time. And the reason I brought her on the show today is she also navigates clients through big changes and works with people through faith transitions. And I think that is just fascinating. I have so many acquaintances, you know, Facebook friends, um, people I work with who are leaving their religion. And I think that's just, it seems to be almost like a, a, a cascade of people who are doing this right now. And I wanted to talk to you about that how to navigate that, how to create a different life, because a lot of people, it's giving up a lifestyle. So we're going to cover all of that in the space of 30 minutes, because we are freaking amazing. <laughs> so welcome, Cassidy. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I know COVID really affected religion. I mean, we talk about religion, we're in Utah, and right now the main religion is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, the Mormons. So that's when we talk about religion, it might, it would be different in Rome. It would be different in Massachusetts, but our religion here in Utah is leaving, usually leaving the LDS church. So, and I know you work with people who are going through that. What, what effect did COVID have on that? And did you see a, a change in people's relationship with their religion during COVID? Um, yeah, actually, I think that's a great place to start. Um, COVID did a couple things, um, specifically what it did for, um, LDS, uh, Latter-day Saint people, um, is it gave them time and permission to have individual spirituality and family, uh, religious practices that were outside of the pre-designated time and space that the church regulates. Um, and so when they were, when people started to have this time and space, they started to, um, really understand, oh, I have an individual relationship with my heavenly father or my God. Um, and I feel the spirit and I feel spiritual when I'm outside in nature, when I'm doing this with my family, when we practice this kind of way. And so it really gave people um, time and space to explore their faith and how they connected to it. That wasn't pre-planned, um, I think is the best way to say that. That's so interesting because you think of, you know, the church is very regulated in their, in their attendance. You know, they, they actually take role. I mean, they, they, they see who's coming to church and to have that free time to actually figure out, you know, what do I believe? What, where do I feel connected instead of having it prescribed to you? I think that's so powerful to really deep in, dive into what you feel connected to. Absolutely. And it's, um, and, and it really does take time. Right. And if you're used to being in a religious practice and doing spiritual practice that is like a religion, you still commit 10 hours to that every week. Or for some people in the LDS faith, it's 20 hours a week. Right. So you commit to these daily and weekly rituals to um, access your your spiritual and your religious 
um, sets. And when you can learn to do that the way that it works for you, it just gets bigger and changes, right? Um, the other thing that COVID happened was um, it made a lot of the conversations around faith, around religion, um, around mental health, public. Um, because people couldn't go to their neighbor and talk about it. They were talking about it online, right? Right. So it, it opened up new conversations and new ways to talk about it. And, and things learned new things about themselves, their, their religion, their history, um, their faith, that kind of thing. So I think that was also a really important part of it. And I don't, I'm not trying to bash on religion because there's lots of people who really find a connection to belonging to an organized religion. And if that's how you feel connected, you know, great. Absolutely. Very, very happy for you. But Go there's, for it. yep. But it's finding what works for you. Right, exactly. Yep. And, you know, I left, I physically left the church probably 16 years ago, but I emotionally and mentally left it probably 25 years ago. And it's that time in between where you know it's not the right thing for you and the actual leaving. There's so much contradiction. There's so much anxiety. There's so much, you know, trying to find who I really am. How do you navigate that with your clients? Yeah. Uh, slowly and gently, because it really it is a huge transition. Um, specifically, when we're talking about leaving the, the Mormon faith, the LDS church, um, is from the very beginning, you're taught how to act and be and who you are. And then in order to belong, in order to have worth, in order to be loved, you have to follow, kind of follow this, this script. And you have to check off all of these boxes appropriately. Right? You, have, you have like a timeline of things you have to do and when you do them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. And you have to look a certain way and you have to behave a certain way in order to earn the different things that you get in the church, like your temple recommend. You or have your to be level of worthiness. Yeah. 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 And so um, when that happens, that's really normal for humans when they're in their younger years. Right. We only learn from our family systems. We only learn from our parents. But when we move into preteen and teenage years, our brain actually um, explodes and wants to push away from our parents. And and we go through teenage development. Right. We hate everything our parents do. We want to be emo or grunge or wear something opposite, right? We don't want to be that cute little girl or that. Right. We don't want to have that um, whatever it is, right, in that teenage world. We're trying to figure out who we are. And when you grow up in a prescriptive religion that doesn't allow for that exploration, um, you actually never go through that developmental stage. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things I do with my clients is we actually go through teenage development. Oh, interesting. Right? So we go back, we do, you have to go through sexual development. You have to go through friend development. You have to go through like, what kind of music do you like? Um, what are my values? How do I want to dress? Like, do I like tank tops? Not like tank tops. <laughs> right. do, um, I like, do I like to drink? Do I like coffee? Yes. 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 <laughs> like his teenage child, like that, when you're a teenager and a young adult, it's, we have so much permission to explore and experiment and try new things. And when you come from a prescriptive high demand religion, you don't have that permission. Right. So your development actually stops and you don't develop through those stages. And so we go back and go through those stages. Um, and what a, what a curious adventure that must be for people <laughs> to, you know, yeah. do I like this? Do I not like, it's almost like starting over from scratch and rebuilding. I know when I left the church, I wanted nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with spirituality. I consider myself agnostic, um, maybe even atheistic. 
and wanted nothing to do with anything like that. And as time went on, I developed a different kind of spirituality that I really feel connected in a way I never had before. And it's so innate. It's so much a part of me. And I don't know how I didn't connect to that before. It is. It is actually innate. Um, they, they, we've, they've done research. We've looked at it in all kinds of cultures, um, in tribal, in large populations. And humans have an innate connection to spirituality, to connection, regardless of how they name it and what box they put it in. We have access to that when we can learn how to um, lean into it for ourselves. Right. So learning how much of a value that is for you, right? Oh, it's like the top of the list, or it's actually like number seven, so I don't have to go with it too much, right? Right. Um, it's also really important, but everybody has access to it, hmm. which is really cool, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't think we realize that until it's not being spoon-fed to us anymore, when we have to think for ourselves. Well, um, I, I don't believe the LDS Church teaches anyone that other people have access to, to spirituality. Yeah. Um, or a good enough spirituality. Right. Yeah. They're very, and again, I'm not trying to, to bash the church religion, but it felt like exploring other possibilities of spirituality was very discouraged. Yes. And it's funny, my mom was very religious, but she was very much an adventurer when it came to learning about other faiths and other religions. And I, I blame her. I blame her for all of this <laughs> and she's dead. So she can't come back and yell at me. But you know, when I left the church, I left, I did it all at once. I left my marriage, my neighborhood, my community, my friends, my religion. I was, I was freaking adrift. I was in this whole new space where I was just rebuilding from scratch. How do you coach your clients in finding a new community and in redefining who they are in um, just creating a new, a new place, a new space? So I think you're speaking to one of the hardest parts um, is and I don't know where your listeners are from, but for a lot of people, when you leave a faith like the LDS church or, or a church, or just think of like a group that you spend 20, 10 to 20 hours with every week. And you've done that for 40 years. And if you've done that for 40 years, 10 to 20 hours every week, and you leave this, you're leaving your family, right? Yeah, you're leaving right. the only community you know. You're leaving the only support system you know. And so there's actually... That's a huge transition, right? It's not just getting divorced. Sure. And we partner. It's like this whole other world that we're leaving. And part of what comes with that is grief. And we don't talk a lot about that when it comes to faith transitions. Um, the hurt, the anger, the shame, the betrayal, um, and the grief that comes along with that loss, right? We right. lost this huge piece of our world. We chose it, right? Because most people choosing to leave um, are very dedicated to exploring and understanding why they leave before they leave. Right. Uh, and so they're making a really important choice for themselves and it's really, really painful. Yeah. And so we, I, I allow space for grief. We talk about grief. What does that look like? What emotions come with grief? How long does grief take? Right. Sometimes it takes five to 10 years. And once you experience grief, it's always with you. Hmm. It doesn't just go away because you live differently now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This changes, it's right? A, it's a part of you. Yes, definitely. It's a part of you. Yeah. Um, and then we start to, we, we start to deconstruct and we start to pull apart a couple of things. So um, I really love to help clients figure out, help people figure out 
uh, their values. Okay, so this is the prescribed values that you had. This is a list of 150 values, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> what ones do you think you have are important to you? What ones would you like to be important to you, right? And then we pull, then we start de deconstructing the rules around morality and what's right and wrong and how to actually make choices and uh, decisions. Um, and so as we look at our values and kind of explore what our values are, because values change and values can shift. And, and just because I love something doesn't mean it has to be a high value, right? Right. So, so we look at all those nuances and then we go through and we pull apart all of these other pieces. So what are the rules that I've been taught that are in my system? Right, ingrained in your body, yes. yes. Totally ingrained in my body, right? Like, um, like how do I want to show up physically is a really big one for, for women um, that leave the LDS faith that are taught you have to look this way. You can't have your shoulders showing. You have to have your cleavage covered completely. Right. You have to have things down to your knees. Right. So we're like, okay, well, how do you want to dress? Let's experiment. Let's explore. Now let's also deconstruct the morality rules in your head that show up when you do that. Yeah, because that shame, it, it yes. jumped. it's like, you're not leaving the house in that. <laughs> yes, like all that internalized shame. And then we get to start to say, okay, now that I'm doing this, do I like this or not like this? Right. And it's hard oh. because so much of it is your individual judgment of what you're doing. So you might like it a lot in a, in a month, but at that moment, it's like, oh, this is like pulling out a molar. This is so difficult. Yeah. It is. And it is. And, I, and this transition is difficult. And truly, I think that is uh, the biggest thing. I, well, I keep saying the biggest. Uh, one of the things that's really important to know when you're doing this is choices change and there's no right and wrong in your choice or in your choice changing. Right. Right. So that's the pulling apart of the morality from choice. That's interesting. You know, and I, somebody told me, cause I was say, telling a friend how hard it was. Cause I did have a couple of friends that stayed with me and I was telling her how hard it was for me to leave. And she said, well, does that mean it was the wrong thing to do? It's like, no, not even, not even considering it. it it's hard. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Absolutely. And, and that really is an important piece, right? If you talk about like, with the way you say that to me, it sounds like an abusive relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I can stay in this relationship and right. I can feel shame and I can feel put in a box and I can feel told exactly what to do. And it's e sometimes it feels easier to stay, but it's not okay to stay in that kind of relationship. Right. That's not where I belong. That's not where I thrive. That's not where I find joy. Right. Um, so choosing to leave is harder and better for me. Yeah. And getting past those. It's so funny. There was a comedian at a comedy club. I think his name is Aaron Woodall. And he was a, a comedian who left the church. And uh -huh. he's so funny. He said this favorite line. He says to me, well, not to me specifically, but to the group. He said, I was so Mormon that I tried drugs before I tried coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That is so true. Right? Can't drink the devil's juice, but I will try heroin. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. It was. I thought it was just the perfect way to describe Mormonism. It was so funny because they they get it in your head, and so a big part of this is how your transition into a different faith or a different spirituality affects your family. That's usually the, one of the biggest reasons that people don't leave, you know, how is my mom going to react? How's my husband going to react? My wife, my children, 
how do you get people past that or help them work with their family to accept that? Because that's that's a huge part of this. Well, well I mean, that's a, like a six hour training. <laughs> well, you've got 20 minutes. So, so um, a bridge. So, so we talk about family. And the way that the way that family is taught in in the LDS church is that it's for eternity, right. and so which can you, be good or bad, <laughs> right? Which which for many people is bad, right? right? Like I'm in an abusive family system that now I have to be in for eternity. Like Yay. this is scary. Yay, God! Right? Like, right. A lot of 25, 30 year olds that were physically or sexually abused in an LDS dysfunctional family system, and they have this connection to eternity. Mm. Um, Anyways, that isn't exactly what you asked, so I don't need to go into that. But um, when we're talking about families, the biggest thing that comes up is shame, mm-hmm. right? Shame. And so I teach people what shame is. And what? The, how do you define shame? It, it, it's not what you were taught as an LDS person. <laughs> um, Let's start from there. Okay, so what? how do you define so, shame? LDS, <laughs> the LDS uh, faith typically teaches shame as um, you feel bad about how you behaved, mm. and we're going to call it guilt. Right. We're going to tell you that that's wrong and you're bad, and we're going to call it guilt and not shame. Mm. Any belief or teaching that connects to your sense of self is shame, not guilt. Wow. Right? Right. So if, if I'm taught, and it's kind of like a multi-layered teaching, right? So if I'm taught, um, if, I, uh, if I lie to my parents, right? That's a bad thing. And bad people are evil or of Satan or will go to hell. So now I lied to my parents when I was five because I wanted a piece of candy, which is very developmentally normal. Right. That's what the kids right? do. Like, all five-year-olds do that at some point. True. But I also have a belief that now that I've lied, I'm bad. Now we're in shame. Mm. Interesting. I'm not just learning about a behavior of lying and stealing candy. I am now in this place of, I am bad. I am a bad kid. Um, a bad person. Yeah. I'm a bad person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that kind of grows with you in not good enough. Like a lot of people talk about not being good enough, not being perfect enough, not being worthy enough. Right. And that goes back to that underlying belief of shame of I am worthless. I am not good enough. I am um, bad. Yeah. I'm a sinner. I, I do bad things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and when you, when, when it's stated that way, and typically when you start talking about it with somebody and you teach them that they're like, Oh, all of these things I'm actually feeling are shame. Hmm. So you start by identifying shame because when you speak shame, when you say it out loud, it can't live in your body. Shame is an emotion. Absolutely. But when it lives in your body as a belief system, it's toxic. Wow. And it, it directs how you show up in the world. And so we want to start to release it and to speak it out loud um, and heal from it if we if it's stuck in a trauma place. Um, but that's where we start to shift, right? right? Me stealing candy when I'm five means I was five and <laughs> I can learn from that. It right. doesn't mean I'm a bad kid. Right. You're not going to go robbing right. banks when you're 25. Yeah. Probably. So we start by identifying shame. And then I talk about how that impacts their family system. So... When, you're, when your family believes um, that when you leave the church, when you become an apostate, you are othered and you're destroying the eternal family system. Right. Right. I won't see you in the future. I won't see you internally. You're destroying my whole vision of this perfect eternity post-death um, that we don't know about. Right. We think we know about. Right. 
um, their initial reaction is going to be to turn around and shame the individual. You're such a disappointment. I want you to behave differently so that I don't have to feel this yucky feeling of you destroying my eternity. Right. Uh, right. Um, so or they start other, right. They treat you differently. They don't talk to you the same. Um, they go and invite you to the temple wedding. Um, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, um, was devastated when I left the church and she, you know, eternal family and, and I, my, all my siblings, none of us go to church. Um, but she, yeah, she felt like a failure. It's like, mom, if you're a failure, that means I am a failure. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> if you base your failure status yeah. on me failing, that's, that's not good. Notice how I'm a failure. That's that toxic shame yeah. language. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that is something that uh, many women in men and women are taught in the LDS faith, um, in, in patriarchy is that women's value is in their children. Mm-hmm. And so how my children behave, how my children act, what decisions my children make, even though they're supposed to be able to make their own choices and have their own free agency, agency. right? Their choices, their agency shows people how worthy or how um, good I am. Um, And so it's, it's it's taught in this larger system that we're in. So how do you create create boundaries around maybe family members or or topics? So, you can live authentically, but still engage with your family. Oh, very carefully and slowly. Um, so I think first you have to learn about boundaries. I think that's something that uh, many people are not taught in the LDS in, in Utah right. um, about what boundaries are, what are healthy boundaries. Is it okay to set a boundary? If I grow up in a system where I was never able to say no to my mom or I got in trouble for being me, right? Right. Um, then I might have this perception that when I say no to my mom, I am bad. Right. Right. We go back to that shame belief. So I have to relearn what a boundary is. A boundary is just something that I put in place that I am responsible for to protect my state, my emotional state, my physical state, whatever it is to protect me. Right. Right. And potentially even protect our relationship. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, the way I like to approach boundaries is kindly. So, hey, mom, I know that you love me and that you are really worried about my eternity. I appreciate that. And currently in my life, I can't have this conversation with you. When you have this conversation with me, I'm going to hang up the phone. Wow. And that's a hard it's, thing to do when you've been oh, taught. It's, hard. Again, it's actually to say so no. hard. Yeah. It's hard, to, it's hard to say out loud and then it's hard to follow through. Right. Right. It takes a lot um, of practice. But it's not your mom's responsibility to hang up on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's your responsibility. It's your boundary. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, we miss that piece a lot. So we right. expect other people to manage our boundaries for us, uh, where it's actually my responsibility. Right. And it is hard. It is uncomfortable. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. Like that is, it's okay for other people to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> It's not your job to make people feel comfortable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and the people that love you will shift over time. The people that can will shift over time. Yes, and um, that's true. I believe that completely. The people yeah. that matter to you will always matter to you. Yeah. 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 Um, and some people can't. And some people will throw fits when you set boundaries. That's also okay. They yeah. get to have that reaction. Sure. And you need to hold your boundary. Yeah. 
What are some steps people can take as they transition out of a faith to stay connected to themselves, to discover themselves? Um, I think experiment. Experiment. What what does that mean? Like Like make a huge list of maybe someday I could do these things. (laughs) Like just a huge, like almost a bucket list, but just maybe I want to wear a tank top. Maybe I want to leave Utah. Maybe I want to go to Mexico. Like, Maybe I want to try this kind of food that I never tried when I was growing up. Um, Maybe I want to read um, soft porn books, right? Like maybe I want to uh, experiment with my sexuality or I want to feel sexual. Um, And then you write down like this huge list of different things and big and small, right? Maybe I want to sleep in on Sundays and go up into the woods on Sundays. Right. Um, Maybe I want to... um, create a ritual around something. And so you you just make a huge list and then you just pick one and you try it. You try it on for size. Do I like this? Do I not like this? Oh, I don't like it quite like this, but I like it like that. Right. Um, and you kind of just start exploring your, what you like. Like I really do, it goes back to that teenage development, right? What are the things you wanted to do when you were a teenager that you never got to do? Right. Right. Maybe try it and see what that means. For some people, that's wearing different clothes. Right. Or what, listening, watching different movies. You know, we couldn't watch yeah. R-rated movies for 30 yeah. years. <laughs> right? You can go back and watch this movie that all you your friends binge watch. All these movies and TV shows. It might still be horrible, <laughs> but it might be great. Um, dye your hair, cut your hair, right. show up differently. Go on a vacation somewhere brand new that you've never been. Um you know, you mentioned Sundays. I think Sundays were really hard for me to create a new routine. I almost had to strap myself to a chair to not, it's just such an automatic response to get up, go to church on Sunday. It was almost physically impossible for me not to walk out the door. It was so hard. And like I said, developing a ritual of what do I want to do right now? It's like, I don't know because I'm so anxious right now. I don't know what I want to do right now. But but yeah, but it develops over time. And now, you know, the first time you shop on Sunday, the first time you, all all these firsts that you get to experience, like you said, that you never had the chance to. It's just, it's so interesting to watch a different personality be born. (laughs) Right. And and having that personality be born is so powerful because Parts of your personality are still there and parts of them have shifted and some of them have blossomed in new ways, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You mentioned something that I wanted to lean into just a little bit. Um, you said for you on Sundays, you had to, you had lots of anxiety about the change. Right. So you didn't actually know what to do. Right. Yeah. That is really common. Hmm. Right. When you're used to saying, okay, my pattern is this, my behavior is this. Our brains only want to do that. Right. Right. Learning a new pattern, learning a new thing actually takes extra mental effort. It did. It was so hard. And when you're already in grief, it's exhausting. Yeah, it was. It's so, you know, I, I, I think the first year I just spent my, that time healing, just noticing these things come up and sitting with that and saying, wow, this is really uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, what what am I feeling? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Check check yeah. check. Um, unworthy. Okay. It's powerful though to make yeah. space for those feelings. Yeah. To yeah. Those yeah. And you know yeah. what? And where does that come from? You know what voice is telling me that I'm not worthy right now? And it was never my voice. It was never my voice. And do you want to choose that voice? Do you want to keep that voice? Right. right? Yeah. 
I think we often talk about our inner critics, our inner voices. And uh, one of the things that you can do is you can choose which ones are loudest, which ones you listen to the most, how those inner voices interact with each other, and really look at what's going on for those voices. What are they really worried about, right? I'm, I'm assuming during that transition of healing, you had inner voices that were really afraid of losing their eternity, of losing their family, oh, yeah. of losing all of these things that you were promised. Yeah. Yeah. Losing right? community, so losing so many friends. Yeah. 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 No, it's yes. There is an absolute loss of community when you make that shift. Yeah. Yeah. So as we move forward as a culture, not just in Utah, how do we create more space for people to be spiritual without judgment? There's actually lots of spaces out there already, just not in Utah. <laughs> okay, so how, how do we bring that uh, here? Um, so like I have a community uh, that I, I have up in Hebrew and Park City, and, and we find spirituality and practice um, in nature. So we spend a lot of intentional time um, in the deserts uh, for that purpose. Um, just to be, to be connected, to be grounded, to make space for that connection. Um, the other ways to do it is to be, is to find other communities. You can go from a religion to a religion. That's, that's a great way for lots of people to do it. Right. A lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Um, It seems like when people leave a patriarchal religion, they don't go back to a different patriarchal religion. Do you you find that to be true? Yes. Uh, It depends. Sometimes it depends on how well they're able to deconstruct the patriarchy and the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people are able to leave the religion, but are still uh, firmly in patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know how to how to deconstruct that either. Right. I think a lot of people, when you leave a high demand religion, a lot of people have to leave leave before they can re-explore their spirituality. It's almost like. Um, they have to cut the ties all the way before they can start to lean back into it. Right. Um, and I think that's, I see that happen a lot. Yeah. That's what um, I felt. It took me a long time. Like I said, you know, religion was a trigger word. Spirituality was a trigger word. Everything set me off. I have wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. Yeah. And, and now I'm, I'm not, I'm not that way at all. I'm very, I think I'm more spiritual now than I ever have been in any religion. Right. Yeah. yeah and I think that um, there's lots of beautiful spiritual places out there. Um, so how can people find community after that? What do you suggest that they look? Community or spiritual community? I'm sorry? Community or spiritual community? Um, either one, maybe both. Uh, I think spiritual community is harder to find in Utah. Um, and I think I just want to err on the side of that. A lot of humans that are used to high demand religions have a tendency to fall into other high demands expectations of religion. Hmm. So just be careful of the communities you walk into and whether they're prescriptive or they allow you to be you right um or prescriptive it is the more you're just replacing one type with another type um and so find finding what works for you is really important but know that you have that tendency if that's where you come from it's like an abusive relationship like you said you kind of fall back into the same patterns yeah, yeah. it's the same pattern it's it feels familiar and so it feels safer when it's when it's just familiar it doesn't mean it's safer yeah it's just the same thing yeah um, so you can find lots of spiritual practices, uh, spiritually, it's really about exploring where do you start to feel that connection? What speaks to you? Is it through books? Is it through teachings? Is it in other religions? Is it in uh, broader, like, uh, what's the, 
is it just a broader understanding? It's like, are we going to start to look into some of the Buddhist teachings or those kinds of things and, or, or really go back into the teachings of Christ and, and, and really say, oh, Christ taught to serve the poor. Christ taught to accept everyone. Christ was angry and anger is okay. So are we, are we leaning back into those kinds of things? So when you start to figure that out, that's okay. Um, and it, it will come in weird ways and kinds of places, but really it, it starts with learning how to listen to yourself and lean into yourself and allow yourself to go where it needs to go. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think learning to trust yourself is one of the harder things as you give up the direction and the constant, you know, this go this way, go this way. You have to learn how to trust yourself, you which is tough. It is really scary because you are taught not to trust yourself. Yeah. You are taught not to listen to your internal voice. Well, they, they tell you to listen to your voice, but the voice is theirs. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. so you're not, you, and yeah. your voice can only say what they want it to say. Right, right. So there's yeah. a so limit to listen to the voice. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the other thing you asked about was just community. And I think it goes back to experimenting. You have to force yourself to show up in new, uncomfortable, weird places and have conversations with people to start to find who you like, who your community is. And that might start online. Um, it might start in meetup groups or a crochet group or a reading, right? A monthly reading group. But you just start. And then you, you do it for a minute and then you get to decide, do I like this or not like this? Right. Or is this okay enough for now? Yeah. And, and, and that decision regardless. I love that. Any final words of wisdom for people who might be thinking about leaving religion that just haven't quite gotten to the point where they can yet? Um, it's okay if it's scary. It's okay if it's uncomfortable. Lots of things in life are scary and uncomfortable. Um, but choosing you is absolutely life-changing. I love that. It's true. Yeah. Where can people find you, Cassidy? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Therapy with Cassidy. Um, or my website is purplesky.counseling.com. Um, or you can find me in Heber or Murray at Purple Sky Counseling. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise on this. It's such a fascinating topic to me to watch people find themselves. It's just, it's so freeing for them. It's just beautiful. Thank you for helping them do that. Oh, free. Freedom is truly the magic word there. It feels like freedom. Yeah. I think truth yeah. feels like freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Your truth. Yeah, your truth. Yeah, yeah. Your personal truth <laughs> feels like freedom. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah thank, absolutely. So, well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Mary. Yeah, for thanks for being you. here. And thanks for listening, podcast listeners. I appreciate you coming back every week. And have a great day. Do you want more life and laughter? Check out my blog at lnlcoaching.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Life and Laughter Coaching. See you again soon.